welcome to the second episode of the Mystery Spot podcast. This is a podcast giving you all the information regarding true crime, conspiracy theories and mysteries. There's a new episode every week so make sure you try and keep track and if there's anything you want covering please let me know and I will try my best. Today I'm going to be talking about some conspiracy theories regarding the Titanic. Most people will have seen the film with the tragic love story between Jack and Rose However, the actual story behind the Titanic is very twisted and has so many holes, which leads people to believe there's actually more to the story than they first realised. So let's begin with discussing a little bit about the background of the Titanic and what happened to it. Um, I'll get into some theories about what really happened a bit later on. So the Titanic was the best ship of the time. It was considered to be first class in 1912, which was over 100 years ago now. And obviously times have changed, so meaning the standards that are nowadays are much higher. But back then, in 1912, the Titanic was the creme de la creme of, tri- of ships. It was it was the best thing that was built. Um, it was built in 1912 by a company called the White Star Line uh, in Belfast. And they built three boats, actually, not just the Titanic. There was the Olympic, the Titanic and the Brutanic. Now, all three ships were similar. Um, The Titanic and the Olympic were actually the ones that were the most identical in terms of size, as they were sister ships. So the whole thing about the Titanic was that it was the world's fastest ship. The cost to build the the Titanic was $7.5 million, which back in 1912 was an exponential amount of money. I researched how much it would have cost to build the Titanic if it was in today's money, um, and it would have cost around $174 million. So luxury was definitely the word associated with the Titanic. And anyone who was anyone wanted a ticket on the boat. There were actually lots of noble people on the Titanic, um, as it was the experience of a lifetime, and that was sold exactly as it was. The ship was going to be an experience of a lifetime. So there were plenty of journalists um, covering the story on how it was experienced and what it was like to travel on the on the best ship and the fastest ship um and people like heirs to family fortunes large fortunes um had bought tickets to be on the boat that day so it was very very expensive to get the tickets especially for those in first class so anyone who had bought a ticket was mostly likely to be from a very rich background the titanic was 883 feet long from the stern, which is the back of the boat, to the bow, which is the very front of the ship. The hold underneath was split into 16 compartments. And the thing about the Titanic, as well as it being fast, was that it was unsinkable. So four of these compartments underneath the boat could fill entirely with water, but the ship would still be able to float, making the ship watertight. The Titanic was considered unsinkable, but because of this, it gave people a good sense of security and safety, and they, they wanted to travel on it. But we know that that was wrong. It was said that the man who was the captain of the ship was the best captain out there, which makes sense that he would be picked to be the captain of the world's most luxurious boat. But what people don't know is that when the Titanic was setting off, it came within a couple of feet of another ship, but it did actually pass safely. So that's a little bit interesting to think that the world's best captain was captain the world's most luxurious boat and nearly crashed it within a couple of minutes of setting off. This man was called Edward John Smith and he, before Captain the Titanic, was a very high up captain in the Navy, also considered the best of the best. So if we get to the journey, so the Titanic was built in Belfast, the fastest, unsinkable ship, luxurious, expensive, 
um, and it departed with 2,200 passengers on April 10th. The journey from Southampton was its maiden journey. So it was the first journey the Titanic had ever made through the Atlantic. Um, so it had 2,200 passengers and crew on board, sorry. And they were all excited to start their journey and their holiday. The ship stopped in Queenstown, France, in Ireland to collect the last passengers of um, the Titanic and then set away for New York. And New York City was the final destination. However, we all know that just before midnight on the 14th of April, four days after setting off, the ship failed to navigate away from an iceberg and scraped along the side of it. This created damage on the hold of the ship, filling five compartments with water, which should have been okay considering it was supposed to be an unsinkable ship. Another thing to note about the Titanic's journey is that they received multiple ice warnings before the crash. Um, six of these, in fact. Even with these warnings, they still collided with the iceberg. So let's have some facts about the collision. So the boat was travelling at 22.5 knots, which is very, very, very high speed. Um, so if you're the captain of a ship, you wouldn't be going you know, very, very high if you know that there's icebergs in the area, and especially having six ice warnings. Um, it's very strange that he would power on through, expecting to be able to dodge them all. Um, the crash actually happened which is unbelievable, within 30 seconds of spotting the iceberg. So um, the person who stood outside watching for the iceberg saw the, saw the iceberg, and within 30 seconds, the ship had actually crashed into the side of it. Um, and they, they must have been able to see this when they were moving. It's, it's fast for a boat, but not fast for the naked eye. Um, the, the ship would have been moving, you know, within a reasonable amount of speed for him to see the iceberg, um, but it's still fast traveling for a ship. The crash alone should not have actually been enough to pull down the unsinkable ship as those compartments that were filling with water should have been, you know, with the four that were filled, that were so the part of the Titanic that made it unsinkable, they should have been fine. However, the compartments that were not unsinkable were not joined correctly to the ceiling. So there was a little bit of a gap between the wall and the ceiling, which is where when the water went into the compartments and tilted the boat, it tipped all of the water into the compartments next to it, subsequently filling up all of the compartments underneath. It began to pull down the bow of the ship. Um, like I said, the bow of the ship is the very front. So if you've seen the film, you'll have seen that the water filled up the front, which pulled the bow of the ship down into the water um, towards uh, tipping the boat into a vertical position. So the stern of the boat... Uh, was vertical in the air up the bow of the ship was actually in the water facing towards the ocean floor the water tipped the bow into the air um, tipped the bow into the water raising the stern um, so the big ship which you know 883 foot of the ship was vertical straight up in the air with the um, everybody sort of falling down the front of the ship which you will have seen in the film um, the sheer weight of the ship, which is obviously very, very heavy, meant that the sort of gravity pulled down the ship back to the water, snapping the ship in half um, straight down the middle with the back end of the ship crashing back down into the water and the front end of the ship sinking um, sinking straight down. Um, and this all happened at 2am on the 15th of April. So you can imagine how cold it would have been in the middle of the ocean at 2am in the morning. 
Both parts of the ship actually sunk to the bottom of the ocean near Canada, and it only took the Titanic two hours and 40 minutes to sink. That is from collision to hitting the ocean floor. The sheer weight of the ship carried the, the ship down to the bottom of the floor, where it's, you know, it still is today. We haven't, we haven't recovered the entire Titanic. Um, there was over an hour that passed from the beginning of the collision before any of the lifeboats were, were deployed, and, and obviously there wasn't enough lifeboats for everybody. So, you know, what, what, what did they do for the first hour? The first thing should have been that the lifeboats were deployed and saved as many people as they possibly could. Um, and then obviously the flares would have been put into the, to the sky for help. Um, there was actually supposed to be a drill that morning before, um, obviously the ship had sank, um, so that the crew knew what to do in the event that everybody would have to be evacuated from the ship through the lifeboats, um, which strangely enough was cancelled by the captain that morning. Um, and then that evening they, they did need to, to use that knowledge. So now from the film, we all know obviously that there was not enough lifeboats for the amount of people on the ship. Um, before safety regulation law, this was this was okay. It was fine to have uh, a minimum number of lifeboats on board, but not a minimum for the number of people on the boat, um, which I find crazy, to be honest. Why would you have a minimum number of lifeboats but not be able to save everybody? Um, so obviously procedures weren't the same as they were today. They were not followed because it wasn't required by the law. Um, and there wasn't any sort of instant, instant communication available because it was 1912 and technology was not what it is today. So it was hard for anything to be reported to anyone who wasn't to do with the ship. Um, obviously, flares were used to alert nearby ships that there was trouble. Um, but in terms of telephones, there wasn't any. It was all done by telegrams, um, which it was not quick at the best of times, um, which also meant that things were kept under wraps easy. So not a lot of people obviously knew that the ship was sinking, whereas if it was nowadays, we would be well aware that there was a ship sinking and people would be saved. Unfortunately, that day, uh, 1,500 people died on the ship because the water that they went into was ice cold and not enough lifeboats on the ship to save them. The victims froze to death in the middle of the night, in the middle of the ocean. Um, and help was not easily accessible. Lifeboats didn't come quickly enough, um, as it would have done today. So unfortunately, all those people lost their lives in the ocean. Um, and, you know, some people did survive. An hour and 20 minutes after the ship had sank extra help had arrived um and the survivors were pulled aboard this ship the um people who survived had just sort of frozen and you know the body had gone into shock and they were able to be saved and warmed up um obviously having hypothermia and things like that but the um some of the, the weaker people didn't didn't make it um which is very very unfortunate they rescued uh, 700 survivors um which was people in the lifeboats and people pulled out of the water. So 700 people survived, um, mostly women and children, because they were put into the lifeboats first, as we know from the film, um, which is very interesting now, actually, because with everything that's going on at the moment due to equality and everybody's sort of wondering, you know, about gender differences and pay equality and, and things like that, you know, women and children were put first. And, and I can understand putting the, the children first because, of course, you, you'd want to save the children of the future of of our generation but um how do you decide who goes you know men or women it's, it's very very interesting to see what people would think about that now um i know that if it was me and i was in that position i definitely wouldn't be leaving my partner behind um and getting on on a lifeboat without him because then you wouldn't know 
you know, where they were, what happened. And unfortunately, that's something that does actually happen in, in disasters like this one where people get separated. Um, and that's awful. I wouldn't want to imagine that. So I wonder what people think, you know, what would happen now? What's the sort of system to get evacuated uh, from a ship? So after the people were rescued, it was discovered that another ship that was close by um, didn't hear the distress signals from the Titanic uh, because the person who was manning the station uh, was sleeping. (laughs) Simple as that, the person manning the station was on a sleep break. Um, So obviously the technology, like I've said, was different back then. So signals were watched manually by someone who was, uh, it was their job to make sure that they're watching the signals. Um, and this man had gone to sleep and didn't hear any of the, the, the rescue calls from the Titanic, which is uh, very shady, to say the least. Um, if people had heard it, if the ship had heard it, would they have come and saved the people who couldn't get a lifeboat and saved you know, nearly all 2,200 people on board, um, including the captain? I know that the captain actually went down with the ship. Um, you know, that's that sort of a tradition, and should he have gone down with the ship? I mean, should he, should he be made to, to speak about if he'd have survived? to to see what actually happened and why, why this had happened. Obviously, after this, there was an outrage, which is very, very understandable. Um, And laws in 1913 actually changed to require every ship to have a lifeboat uh, for every passenger. Um, And funnily enough, when I researched it, you can see that the lifeboats they should have had for the the size on the Titanic should have been around 60. And they actually had um, 20. 20 lifeboats out of 60 on the Titanic. Um, and that's not even half of the amount that they should have had. So once they were filled, there was definitely no way that they could have saved, you know, even half of the people on the ship. Um, something that's quite interesting is um, that the binoculars, which were used to watch out for icebergs on the ship, were actually locked away. So there was no access to them. Um and if you think back to when the ship crashed, it was 2 a.m., so it would have been pitch black um, on the ocean. It would have been freezing cold. Um, so, you know, maybe that explains why they didn't see the, ti- the iceberg hit the Titanic until, th- you know, 30 seconds before it was coming towards it. Um, but surely they would, have, they would have got the binoculars out to help them. Um, you know, maybe something to, to think about. You know, why, why were they locked away? Why didn't they see the iceberg until it was 30 seconds away from hitting um, you know, I'm sure you've seen from the film that they do have somebody stood in a tower watching out on the ocean for um, hazards such as that. Um, so now that sort of covered everything as to what happened at the Titanic. It, it did crash, um, how it crashed, how it was built, where it was built, how many people were on it. Um, so in terms of theories, um, I'll start with the most believed theory with the most evidence to the theory that's kind of believed the least and some that are a little bit funny. Um, as to what people have come up with. So the world was uh, different to obviously what it is now. Um, Back in 1912, there was hardly any media. I mean, there was newspapers, but there wasn't any sort of like social media, no Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. And if something happens now, um, any disasters or any lives are lost now, we see um, so many people... um, you know, writing about it on social media, and that's how we find out about things. It was so easy for companies to cover things up, um, because if it wasn't re- reported in the newspaper, then it wasn't spoke about, and it was very easy um, for people to lie to to lie about things. There was no way that anyone could do their own, any other research. There was no internet, um, so you know, people had no other reason to believe 
you know, no, any other reason to not believe what they were being told and what they read in the newspaper. And conspiracies were definitely not thought about or spoke about back then. Um, things were very easy to cover up. Um, and that's why there are so many conspiracy theories about this, because people have actually looked at the evidence and now they have the internet to research. Um, so firstly, and the, probably the most interesting and the most backed up theory, is that the Titanic was not actually the Titanic. It was the sister ship, the Olympic, that I spoke about earlier on. The Olympic had actually gotten into an accident with another boat and the insurance company refused to pay out for the damages because it was actually the Olympic's fault. Um, and no insurance money was going to come through for the ship, so they couldn't repair it, which meant that the boat was useless. So it was just sat in the water waiting to be fixed. Um, they didn't actually have enough money to fix the ship because they'd spent all the money on building these ships to then make themselves more money. But before they'd actually got a chance to make any money off the Olympic, it was already docked and not able to go out. Um, marine insurance fraud, or well, general insurance at the time, was was very, very big and easy to do. Um, so swapping the ships to collect insurance money is, is def definitely not something that's um, crazy or far-fetched to think about. In 1911, the Olympic was involved in a serious crash and was damaged. The collision damaged the ship to, have, to mean it was permanently damaged. Um, and the captain of the Titanic um, was actually the captain of the other boat that they crashed into. Um, and White Star Lines was nearly made bankrupt by this. Um, so the CEO came up with the idea of swapping the ships and sinking the Olympic on purpose, branding it as the Titanic and sinking it, collecting the insurance money and then bringing themselves out of bankruptcy. Um, which meant that they kind of, what I would call, bodged job the damage on the ship. And so the one of the people that was believed to be involved um, with the Titanic conspiracy that I'm about to tell you is J.P. Morgan. Um, J.P. Morgan is actually a part of one of the most powerful and rich families in the world. Um, and I'd love to do a podcast all about the Morgan family, um, but we can get onto that another time. Um, and it was in 1912 he actually bought White Star Lines, which is the company that built the Titanic. So it's said to be that um, J.P. Morgan came up with the idea of the Titanic being um, replaced with the Olympia, the Olympic and the Olympic being sunk. So the plan was to make sure that a small ship was close by enough to save everybody once the ship had gone down. Um, however, this obviously didn't happen and went really, really wrong. The ship that was close by was called the California, um, which was obviously close to the ship but didn't hear the call. Um, this was a passenger ship. Now, something really strange and, and something to remember about this is that, incidentally, the California was not carrying any passengers despite being a passenger ship. Um, but was stocked to the brim full of supplies, blankets, food, clothing, all the things that you would need if you was being, you know, saved from, from a, a sinking ship. So the idea behind the theory is that it would have been um, able to save people. Um, however, the, the nobody saw or could have predicted that the Titanic was going to sink as fast as it did. Um so they couldn't save the people in time you know maybe the california knew that it had to, to save these people missed the call and wouldn't have been able to get there quick enough anyway um so like i said jp morgan um he was the financial backing for the ships um because he was one of the most powerful influential wealth people at the time and the theory is that he was the one behind the whole plan um he was actually known as quite a very greedy person and 
the fact that maybe he wanted to sink the ships for the money is not too far fetched. Um, he did have a lot of money. Um, he's involved in a lot of the banks, um, steel companies, electric companies, um, and he, he also had a lot of government ties. So as a very very greedy, shady man to say the least, he um, you know, like I said, I would love to do a, a whole podcast on him and his whole family. They run a lot of the banking in the America. Uh, the American city, uh, cities and states, they they are really, really heavily involved in that because they've got so much money. Um, and J.P. Morgan wanted to get into the shipping business, which is why he bought the White Star Line. Um, and that would have been very expensive if he'd have bought it in, in this time. Um, you know, he, he bought it for a lot of money and they, they were making a lot of money and they were predicted to make a lot of money because they'd built these ships, um, these, these first-class ships. The previous owner was actually... Um, a family member so the not a family member of jp morgan's but a, it was a family-run business so everybody involved in the company was family um and they would have been more than happy to take um you know the the offer that they gave them and live comfortably from the money from the sale um <coughs> jp morgan was actually supposed to go on the titanic um he'd bought purchased a ticket for the titanic um and Nonetheless, he had the most expensive suite on the boat. Um, however, he didn't actually get end up getting on. He cancelled it a couple of days before, um, saying that he had health issues. So does this kind of support the theory that he had something to do with it and had some insider knowledge? Um, so it's very, very strange to think about, you know, that he decided all of a sudden a couple of days before that he couldn't get on the ship, um, even though he'd paid for the most expensive suite. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something to think about. Was he going? He wasn't obviously going to risk being part of the crash, knowing what he knew what was going to happen. Um, and he wasn't actually the only high-profile person who had tickets for the Titanic, um, who didn't go on the ship. There were lots of, like I'd said before, heirs to to large fortunes, journalists, um, people who were in his inner circle had actually decided not to get on the ship last minute, um, and. It kind of sticks out like a sore thumb if you think about it. Why all these high-profile people decided not to get on? You know, were they tipped off by J.P. Morgan that something was going to go down and it wasn't worth their life getting on the boat? Um, it just depends on what his motive was. Was it to, to kill people um, or to collect the insurance money or both? But one thing to consider is that the Titanic that was sunk um, actually had some of his... Um, well, people that he knew on so the eliminate it, well the some people say that the Titanic was sunk by J.P. Morgan to eliminate opposition um, to the creation of the federal bank that he was actually trying to to get up and running. Um, it is just a rumor that you know he, he the people who were his opposition who were on the ship had died. But if we're following this theory, that he you know sunk the ship to collect the insurance money and it just so happened to to kill two birds with one stone that the same person uh, he was going up against was going to be on the boat he obviously wasn't going to tip them off he was going to leave them on the boat to 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 sink with the ship um and the people on the boat were very very powerful people who were trying to stop him from opening the federal reserve bank um and he managed to to eliminate those um pretending to be friends of the people and then killing them to reduce the competition you know two birds with one stone these men had a lot of power and lots of influence and unfortunately they did pass away on the ship 
Um, so that's kind of the biggest theory is that J.P. Morgan, obviously such such a wealthy, influential man, bought the White Star Line Company um, and decided to to sort of sink the ship, collect the the insurance money, and do his his nasty business in the background of of killing his competition and and therefore pushing himself up into um, achieving what he wanted to achieve. Um, so the, yeah, that was the most believed theory. Um, another theory that's not as believed is that there was a fire in um, one of the coal holds. Um, and there is actually evidence that there was a fire on the ship, but it kind of ties in with the J.P. Morgan theory. Um, whether it's a theory just on its own, I'm not too sure, but definitely something to consider. So the theory is that there was a fire in one of the coal holds underneath the ship. Um, and 10 days prior to the, the actual maiden voyage and departure, um, the ship's sort of coal hold had actually caught fire and they maintained this fire all the way through the voyage up, up until the point at which the Titanic sank. Um, at the time, ships ran differently. Um, and when they were powered, powered by coal and, and steam and heat um, and fire fires broke out quite commonly on these steamships back then you know it's not as if they're they ran the same way they are now um but the theory is that the fire that had broken out was still burning on the ship while it was setting sail um in terms of um evidence to support this you know there are burn marks on on the sh- on the ship however you know we don't know specifically if it had burned for days before or whether it had just broken out as a result of the crash and people knocking things over. Um, we're not too sure. Um, but it does make it quite interesting because the fire might have caused maybe something like an explosion um, leading to the ship crashing into the iceberg, an explosion causing it to sink quicker. Um, it did sink at very, very fast pace. Um, so maybe there was some sort of explosion making the crash worse. Um, and if there was a fire burning, you know, for a long period of time, you know, 10 days while they were actually setting sail on the sea, uh, maybe they didn't put the fire out because it was just sort of a happy accident that was going to ensure that the ship would not be recovered and fixed rather than the insurance company paying out for a, a ship that's at the bottom of the ocean. Um, maybe it pushed the strength of the ship too far. This this unsinkable ship that they'd bought, you know, isn't quite as unsinkable as when it's on fire. Um, so that's something to consider, you know, if that's a possibility of, did, did they leave the ship burning? I mean, wouldn't people notice if he was on a ship, you know, this expensive cruise line ship and all of a sudden it's just on fire, you know, fire burning for, for a few days while you're on the ship? You know, would you not smell it? Would you not see it? I'm not too sure. I haven't personally been on, on a ship myself. So, you know, and I know it's 883 feet long and it's underneath the part where the, the passengers don't go. Um, but it's said to, to be that, you know, J.P. Morgan and the captain of the ship and the crew knew that there was this fire burning underneath the ship and they still set off anyway. Um, so, you know, why why would you be the world's best captain at the time and let your ship set sail while it's on fire? I just don't quite understand that one myself, which makes it so much more suspicious um, when you actually think about it. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a a little bit of a um a fire theory there you know it's hard that we don't actually have the entire titanic to look at in some sort of museum i know that we have pieces but nobody has yet been able to recover the full thing 
Um, so another theory that's quite worth mentioning is something that you might have heard of already, and it's the difference in the boats. So the Olympic, which is the um, boat of which was damaged with a, another ship uh, and left docked, um, was known to have a tilt. So it would tilt to the left. Um, this was a direct result of the accident causing damage to the ship. Um, and there's actually some people who were on board the, the Titanic or the Olympic, whatever theory you believe, who had uh, made notes, and those notes have since been found, how the um, the boat actually, while he was standing on it, had a slight tilt to the left. Um, and that's just a little bit too coincidental for me, um, that both ships had a slight tilt to the left caused by damage that one had not been part of you know it's not something that's common with a boat especially being that expensive that they'd made it all tilt to the left um but the difference in the boat theory is quite boring and complex of all the different parts of a ship I mean I don't know too much about ships and when you read into it it's not little differences that you would notice um being somebody who's just in public unless you know specifically about ships um cosmetic wise there are some some differences that you can see in photographs and it's not too too hard to swap the boats because there was no media around so you know anything that we see now is is you know people taking pictures on on cell phones and, and mobile phones putting them on social media facebook and twitter and if you know a scandal like that would be unearthed immediately because people take pictures from all different angles um but the photos that were taken then were, were few and far between um, and the photos that we do have do show differences. So um, online you can see pictures where different pieces of the boat um, on the Titanic are similar to the Olympic. Um, on the Titanic, the windows were something to consider. That's, that's a really big one that people talk about. Um, it's windows and portholes. So the windows on the Titanic were uh, large windows and they were evenly spaced out. The Olympic, um, photos of the Olympic shows the boats having very thin and long windows. Um, and on the day of the Titanic, newspaper articles have pictures of a ship with long, thin windows, which would, would align with the fact that the Titanic and the Olympic had been swapped. Um, the portholes on the Olympic were built. There were supposed to be 16 portholes. And on the Titanic, 14 were built. So on the pictures that you see of the day that the Titanic sent, sorry, the Titanic set out, the portholes, there were, there were 16 portholes. So if the Olympic had 16 and the Titanic had 14 and then in the pictures of the Titanic setting off there are 16 portals, you know, portals don't just appear out of nowhere, um, which is really, really strange because unless it's correct that, you know, they both had 16 and at one point you only saw 14 on the Titanic, I'm not too sure, but definitely, definitely something to think about as to why the, you know, the shape of the windows, that's not something you can easily change. You can paint the walls and you can change the carpets, but you can't change the shape and the size and the amount of windows or portholes on the outside of the ship. And maybe they were just relying on people not to have noticed. You know, that's not something that people count. They don't count how many portholes and they didn't really care about things like that. It, it was all the inside. Everybody loved the inside and cared about the inside of the ship. Um, and that was also something to do with this theory about them being switched is that the um, Olympic was... Um, photographed for I think it was for some sort of you know PR event or something media related um, and it was actually these pictures that were used on 
um, advertisements for the Titanic because they already had pictures of the Olympic looking quite similar to what the Titanic was going to look like. Um, so when people got on the Titanic, of course they weren't going to notice any differences between the Olympic pictures that they'd seen thinking it was the Titanic because they believed that that's what it was going to look like. And when it did, obviously that made sense. Um, why would you think anything was different if it looked exactly how you thought it was going to look? Um, so people were, were very, very easily fooled that way um, because the only media outlet they had showed the pictures. So, you know, that's definitely, definitely um, a very, very big theory is that JP Morgan had something to do with it and that the ships were sink, uh, swapped. And there's no reason to think that these these aren't connected. You know, he might have had something to do with all of them. Um, you know, there's nothing saying that he didn't. So the Morgan family are definitely a big piece of this puzzle. Um, and if you know anything about them and their personalities and, and anything about the history, then you, you'll definitely see why, um, you know, they're considered to be a big part of this. Uh, in terms of other theories, there are two um, quite funny theories, I think, um, that obviously aren't as well believed because there's no evidence for them. So the one that I find the funniest is that there was a, a mummy on board the ship. Um, and it's quite widely believed, to be fair. Um, however, there is no evidence and it has since been debunked because it's it's just not true. Um, saying that there was a, a mummy on board carrying a curse, which cursed the boat. Um, and then the passenger on the ship told stories about this at lunch. And that's why everybody believed there was a mummy on board, just because this gentleman had told the story at, at, at dinner that there was a mummy on board that had cursed the ship. Um, and there was, you know, this has been searched. There was no mummy on board. There was no record of anybody bringing any mummified Egyptian pharaohs on on, on the ship. Um, so, I mean, it depends if you believe in, in a curse or sort of ghost theories. Was he cursed? Did he, did he curse the boat even though there was no mummy found? It depends if you believe that. But since, I, like I said, there's been no sort of evidence to support this, so I definitely don't believe this theory. Um, and the last theory is that a torpedo um, attacked the boat um, from a German a German ship and caused the boat to go down so fast because it had blown such a large hole in the ship. Um, and we have looked at the wreckage of the Titanic and there are large holes in, in the bodywork, obviously... What you've also got to consider is that the ship is heavy. You know, even though it's in water, hitting the bottom of the ocean floor, it's still very heavy. So the holes from you know any damage could have been from simply the boat sinking down at such a fast rate and then hitting the bottom of the ocean at the weight it was. Um, you know, so it's kind of been debunked that the torpedo, there was there's no torpedo being found, there's no shards of torpedo. Um, no company has come forward to say that they have torpedoed the Titanic. Um, so I, again, that's one of the theories that I don't believe. But if you definitely look at everything and you consider all of the facts, something's definitely gone wrong. Um, and there's definitely been some sort of conspiracy theory going on here that's true, whether it was JP Morgan who had something to do with it or it was just simple insurance fraud. You know, there was definitely something going on here because the stories just don't line up with the evidence that we've been supplied with. Um, and because it's later on in, in time and we've got more resources now, people are beginning to question a lot more um, than they did back then. So I really, really believe that something did definitely happen with um, the Titanic. So I really hope that you enjoyed this and you see that also maybe something did happen and caused you to think, even if you don't believe it, caused you to at least consider the fact that something happened and that life is not always as it seems.
So I really, really enjoyed making this one. Um, if you've got any requests, then please let me know. And thank you so much for listening. Um, I will speak to you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.